Welcome to Negotiating Happiness, the show that helps you find happiness, success, and balance in your work and life. I'm Adriana Fiestro, your host for this journey into entrepreneurship and personal growth. We're broadcasting live on 107.7 and 105.3 FM in New Orleans as part of the United Public Radio Network. We explore the latest strategies, insights, and stories from successful entrepreneurs and experts. From managing stress to building a thriving business, we've got you covered. Good afternoon, everybody. It is January 15th, and you are listening to Negotiating Happiness, and I am your host, Adriana Fierstro, and we are broadcasting live on the United Public Radio Network and UFO Paranormal Radio Network at 105.3 and 107.7 FM in New Orleans. And if you are in front of your TV and you want to check us out on Roku TV, go right ahead and search for UFO, a paranormal channel. Hello, hello. Grab your coffee, grab your lunches, and come listen to us. I have the lovely Elaine Dickens here with me today. Hello, Elaine. Hi, Adriana. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Excellent. Really excited to be here with you this afternoon. I am so excited to dive into the topics that we've talked about because I think it, they are so beneficial to um, bring out in the open and make it more of a common theme that everybody talks about. And I feel like it's so relevant to everybody that is um, you know, an entrepreneur or thinking about entrepreneurship or, you know, have 20 years under their belt. I think the topics that we're going to be talking about never really go away. Um, so let's let's do a quick intro uh, for everybody that's just tuning in. So Elaine is at Live Inspired Counseling. That is her practice. And she is a registered psychotherapist. And we will be exploring emotional load, burnout and self-compassion. I'm so excited to talk about self-compassion. Um, so who is Elaine? Elaine is, uh, like I mentioned, a registered psychotherapist and visionary at Live Inspired Counseling. With a foundation in behavioral science, Elaine guides high achievers prone to burnout in enhancing their emotional intelligence. She's located in Uxbridge, Ontario. That's in Canada. Um, her private practice offers in-person and online therapy for individuals, couples, and children age 10 and above. Her special interests include men's mental health, neurodiversity, and positive parenting. Those are such heavy <laughs> topics and specialties. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, I think we need a, a, another show just for some of those ideas. But let's focus today on the entrepreneurship. Piece. Yes, Yes, and I would love to actually, now that you're giving me ideas, I would love to do a whole show about neurodiversity because I think it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. So Elaine, take it away. Tell us a little bit about how you decided to open your practice and kind of where this need um, or I guess uh, love for helping others, how it came about. Yeah, what a beautiful uh, question. Thanks for that, Adriana. Um, you know, I have worked for the last two decades in children's mental health um, and sort of during the pandemic was really inspired uh, to return to school and forge my own way. And what that looked like is uh, a master's in counseling psychology and um, a pivot in my career uh, towards opening Live Inspired Counseling in, uh, in January of last year. So my private practice is uh, very much my baby. I am not only working with many um, executives and high-performing achievers and entrepreneurs, but I'm also forging my own way as an entrepreneur, which is a really wild 
uh, step into your sort of world and realm. Um, you know, the interest in men's mental health, I'm really open in, uh, in sharing that with people. And it really has to do with the men in my own life, um, some of which who have struggled with mental health concerns uh, in the past. And, um, you know, some who have received some support, some support and others who maybe have uh, struggled in really specific ways. So that's the part uh, that really lights me up in the work is increasing the visibility around men's mental health. Which is amazing. And I know we talk a lot um, as, I mean, as a woman doing this show, I tend to talk a lot about my own experiences. Um, and I, I, that's why I was so excited to have you on because I do want to hear about um, your take on, you know, men's mental health and having studied um, sociology and other things in school. It's always It was always very interesting to see how different statistics were for females versus males. So tell us, give us a, give us a rundown. What, what are some of the things that you encounter in your practice that are very specific to that with men, men's entrepreneurial journey and burnout? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of overlap, right? You mentioned the gender piece. I mean, are entrepreneurs, do they tend to be overachievers? Do they tend to uh, check a box where we might fall under that, you know, classic type A personality overachievers? Um, you know, when things get hard, you put on your helmet and you put your eyes down and you get to work, right? So I think there's a lot of, you know, regardless of gender, there's a lot of um, sort of personality and characteristics. Um, I think that's part of the work, but I think when I, you know, put on my lens and I look at the struggles that uh, male entrepreneurs have, I think it's it's compounded, right? I think there's that stigma attached to, you know, needing help, uh, reaching out for help, of course, and that fear of what people may think. Um, and then I also think, you know, there's a lot of uh, a necessity to really, you know, be um, emotionally aware right and we hear about emotional intelligence and how important it is in the workplace right so do i meet a lot of high performing men who are super effective in the boardroom um or behind the scenes in their own um you know business ventures yes do many of them struggle in their personal relationships and their ability to connect um you know in those relationships with perhaps family their spouse their partner even their friends yes i do um, I think that's one of the challenges is, you know, just from a traditional standpoint, um, you know, sitting down and exploring feelings, it's it's not something that, that is practiced, generally speaking. And it's, believe it or not, I think it's a really important skill set that many entrepreneurs need to lean into that edge. I think so. And I do, I'm a firm believer that of men and women do business differently. And, um, sometimes you have to navigate kind of their world, right? Like we, we know this, we know that the business world is created because of historical, you know, the situation of how, how things have gone throughout history, where women in a men's world. So it would be fascinating actually to learn a little bit more about it and how, you know, and how to approach it. And I, obviously everybody has their own stresses but you touched on something that kind of resonates with the show a lot which is how you know they handle their personal side versus their business side and how that affects all of their relationships not just you know um, the business type of relationship and while I find that there's this 
I think it's a misunderstanding or I guess uh, you could call it a stereotype. You know, women that women are more emotional than men. I think it's because of that factor of emotional intelligence not being um, allowed to show it or not having necessarily the experience or the or having a developed side of, of the emotional intelligence. I do think emotional intelligence is very important. Um, and unfortunately, as parents, I mean, as a, as a mom of a boy, I think I have such a hard task ahead of me to try and, you know, teach my son about emotional intelligence and how to handle people and how to handle and how to be different than, you know, maybe some of the negative things that we've seen in society that have to do with men Absolutely. or, you know, touch on, you know, um, how people can be toxic and, and whatnot. And it could go for both genders. It's just, it's hard when, as a mom, as a woman, I've had a different experience, right? Whether it's been in Absolutely. business or, or in, um, in life in general. So that's... Absolutely, I, right? It, everything's you connected, know, you know? It is, it is. You know, when you mentioned, you know, men and women sort of, you know, approaching entrepreneurship in similar but different ways, right? I mean, you know, if I just think about, you know, even women and even my own personal circle, when things get difficult, we talk about it, right? Like we sit down with a friend and we unpack it, right? And we get to have a chance yeah. to move through those emotional components of the struggle itself. I think for many men, it's a very different situation, right? There aren't those same opportunities, right? And so to sit down and unpack things like what it feels like to not feel confident uh, or what it feels like to not feel capable, right? those sort of talking about insecurities, I think that's something that is extremely difficult. And I think that is a difference across the genders. Yeah, and and it's great to know that there are resources out there for everybody, right? Absolutely. Um, let's touch on a little bit of um, what does the emotional load look like for oh, for your patients? Yeah. What, what's, what's, what are you seeing in in today's society? Yeah. So, you know what, when I float back to sort of early pandemic, I think, you know, Adrian, something that you and I talked about sort of pre-jumping on the call was we saw a lot of pressure on women, right? Especially women entrepreneurs with this need to like pivot and have your business move online. But in the background, you were, of course, supporting your family, getting your kids onto uh, their learning programs and running, being a teacher, a therapist, mental health specialist, and, and a mom, right? Yeah. Um, so I saw a lot of women in my practice, right, struggling in a really specific way around the weight of the pandemic specifically, right? Um, what I have seen in the last, you know, six to eight months is an uptick in men reaching out um, and just saying, like, I've been struggling in these really specific ways. Maybe we're not able to name what some of those stressors are or articulate that, but I know that things could feel better for me. Right. And I'm really feeling that um, that financial pressure as the traditional lead head of the family, uh, that person sometimes making, you know, most, if not all of the financial decisions and like just look at the price of groceries. Right. So I think men have really had to learn a lot about emotional load, if I'm honest, because I feel like they've been forced to experience that be it as a yeah. part of the pandemic or us coming out of the pandemic and forging this, you know, new normal. It's not the same. It's not the same. The emotional load is just not. Yeah. Yeah. And I can imagine that 
you know, going from having, you know, the status quo of everybody has their own roles and all of a sudden everybody's life is upside down. I could only imagine that the, <laughs> the learning curve was steep. So <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So like the, the emotional load, it isn't just the like things on your to-do list, right? It's that constant trying to prepare for anything, right? Like we're talking about like a pandemic, right? We're still coming out of that. We're still trying to figure out how we forge the next steps, how we support our family, how we plan for our business. So I think, um, you know, emotional load, it's tough to, you know, describe all of it. But I think it's really that that weight and that feeling absolutely um, consumed and powerless that really comes up in my conversations with clients. Right, right. That's interesting. So what are I guess how how does somebody manage this practically or or what what's a strategy that you tend to recommend? Yeah. I think it's I think it's highly personal, right? I know, you know, there are people who will gravitate towards, you know, listening to a health podcast, for example, right? Maybe picking up on some really practical ideas about how to, you know, share that emotional load, right? How to perhaps be really proactive in the way that you plan or approach things. Um, cause we do get to work with couples, which gives me a, a unique, um, approach to, to hearing both sides, certainly yeah. of that emotional load. Um, but I love the idea of couples, uh, and even in partnerships, right. Just sitting down at the beginning of the week and talking about what the week ahead looks like, right. What's on the radar for you. What's on the radar for me. Are there things that I can support? Or is there a specific way you'd like me to show up in uh, that for you? Um, so really, you know, opening up the dialogue. I think just, you know, if there was one practical idea that somebody might leave the, the show with, it's this idea of like, let's get in front of this information, right? You've got, we've spent many, many years being reactive, right? A problem pops up, we put out the fire. Um, I guess what I'm endorsing and suggesting is something very different where we get really intentional and we start having conversations and dialogue and we get really good at asking for what we need. And that's the hard part because not everybody's a planner and I don't think that everybody understands, um, you know, doing things because you have to and you're reacting versus being intentional about something. Even when you want to be intentional about something, it's very hard to, um, put in that effort because a lot of Absolutely. people just see it as, Oh, I have to not like, Hey, there's a purpose to this. There's going to be a direction that we're going in with this kind of plan. So this is why, um, I always say this, even if you understand it, like I understand it on the, the general level, but I am not a therapist. And it's also, even if you were a therapist, I think it's hard to do a lot of that self-reflection or take Absolutely. your advice. So I always say, find somebody who does this for a living, find a therapist, find somebody who can help you. Like I, I understand financials, but I'm not yeah, necessarily sure. the best at it. I'm going to go and find somebody who can help me. Um, there's no shame in it. You can't be a master of everything in life. So I know. And it's so interesting, right? Like an entrepreneur would very easily, you know, research a business coach, for example, okay, what I'm offering, you know, yes, I'm a psychotherapist, but do I provide that type of support and service? You know, how many clients would sit down and say, I need accountability, right? Like I've got these personal goals. 
I want to have, you know, more connection in my relationships. I want to show up in a really specific way around my business. I can be that coach. I can provide that accountability. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. You know, we, we have that gym membership. We get ourselves to the gym. Uh, you know, very much what I endorse in my practice is I want to be in your outlook calendar, whether that's weekly or biweekly or once a month. Therapy can be that accountability where you may not be able to get traction with some of those goals because not everybody, like you said, can pick up a podcast or pick up a self-help book and just be able to naturally, you know, integrate that into their into their lives. And I also think that there's a finite um, end to that journey, even if you are DIYing everything yourself, right? Like there's only so much that you can get out of something without, without having a different perspective like a professional perspective right I can listen to a podcast and think I get this I understand it but can I apply it is there a different totally way different. that that somebody can show me how I can apply it into my own life it's it's just different and I think we need to stop telling people that you only need therapy if you're broken because really what's broken it's all relative it's all I think everybody can use therapy <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I would agree. I can't disagree, right? Can anyone benefit from somebody to sit down and talk to, right? Or yeah. could everyone benefit, of course, from getting in better touch with their emotions, right? Totally. Absolutely. Totally. And it's not, it shouldn't be a taboo subject. It shouldn't be a, I'm fine, I don't need therapy. Because at the end of the day, are you telling me that you've never gone through anything stressful in your life? That's probably a lie, right? Like yeah, you're lying to absolutely. yourself at that point, or maybe you're just not realizing it, but yeah. yeah. Let's, um, let's touch a bit about uh, on, I guess the, the next step that makes sense is you're, you're going on with this day in day out of working family life, stress here, stress there. Let's talk about burnout because everybody hears burnout. I talk about this book all the time on whenever burnout comes up, um, which explains the cycle of burnout. I think it's, sure. um, I, f I forget the name now, but, um, of the authors, N Nagowski, I think the, the okay. they're two, they're two sisters. Anyway, I've, I've literally talked Beautiful. about it so many times, but, um, I love that book because it explained it in layman's terms of what this cycle of burnout looks like. So I want to know kind of how Absolutely. do you look at the cycle of burnout? Absolutely. So I consider burnout to be a state, right? So it, it best describes, you know, the emotional, the physical, the mental exhaustion that's caused by excessive and prolonged stress, right? And does it tend to show up around work? It can. I think the most challenging part about defining burnout is everyone's experience with burnout is going to look and feel a bit different. Um, and often we don't recognize it until we've already hit rock bottom. Right. Right. And it's hard once you're there to recognize anything. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Right. And so I'm always saying to, you know, the people in my personal life and my professional life, right? Like, I think that how we best deal with burnout is we get really, really specific and we start to notice those causes and those symptoms, right? So, you know, whenever somebody says to me, you know, I'm just feeling drained, I'm feeling tired the majority of the time, I sleep, but I don't rest, right? 
I'm sort of a behavioralist by not by nature, right? So I'm always tuned into those little subtleties, right? What's changed for you in the last many months? Are you sleeping more? Are you sleeping less? Right? Are you withdrawing? Do you not have that get up and go in your business? Right? Maybe you're feeling like a failure, right? Or you're starting to have those thoughts about just being hopeless, right? Or questioning your purpose. That often comes up, right? When I may meet somebody who said, you know, maybe I need to get some support around burnout, right? And making sure I don't hit rock bottom. Right. And what are some of the coping mechanisms that that you would, I guess it would be really interesting to talk about what are some of the coping mechanisms that you see that are negative, that people need to stop? And what are some of the coping mechanisms that could be positive? Because that might be another way of recognizing burnout, right? Absolutely. So it's so interesting, right? And I, you know, when I just think about myself um, as a professional, I actually gravitate more towards what are the things that you could be doing? Right. So, yes, we could all sit and make a list of the ways that we cope that probably aren't serving us. Right. Whether that's, you know, sitting down and scrolling, numbing with substances. I mean, I don't know that that any I I don't want to promote or or bring any shame. Right. To anyone sitting on the and listening on the call. But I think as a strength based practitioner. Right. I think that we always want to be thinking about what are the things that we could be doing differently. Right. And so for me, a critical piece is, you know, are the things you're doing, are they contributing to the status quo? Are they keeping you in the same place? Or are there things that you're doing to help you to forge your own way or to feel better? Right. And be proactive in the way you manage stress. So, you know, maybe that's talking about it with somebody, right. Whether that's a partner or spouse, maybe that's booking a discovery call with a therapist. And I'm not saying just book it with me. I'm saying book it with two or three other professionals, right? Because you want to make sure that you connect with the right person to do that work, right? I meet many people who have said, I tried therapy in the past. It didn't work. I want to know about the relationship, right? What was your relationship like with the therapist? Because that's the critical piece, right? Yeah. I agree. And I, I have been in that situation where I've, I've talked to therapists where I just feel like you're not getting my understanding of things. And, and, and while you can have a different opinion, it's just, uh, you're not like, you just don't click. I don't know how to explain it. You don't, it's click. the relationship. Got, yeah. And then I got another person and while, again they were telling me things that i needed to work on i can accept that but we clicked at least she understood or um there was it was a male as well at one point so it, i mean in whatever works for you right you have to absolutely. make sure that it works for you for absolutely. sure absolutely right but i think part of you know coping with burnout and doing it it, it starts with that self-awareness piece right like we are all creatures of nature, right? And I, I recognize that what we're asking people to do is to get really vulnerable here, right? And to like sit down and, and have a commitment to talking about what the challenges really are, right? And also having that growth mindset where this is not, you know, something that we have to feel guilty about or are not capable about being able to do for ourselves. Um, that, you know, the more we can share or you can share your experience with 
your therapist and talk openly about the struggle, the better they're going to be able to support you on that journey. Because it requires a lot of uh, a lot of perspective taking and a commitment to tell the truth. Right, right. It's because at that point, if you're not really being honest with a therapist, you're not being honest with yourself, you're not doing yourself any favors, for sure. And that's the problem. I think a lot of people don't get to that point where they where they're even open to doing that kind of self-reflection and maybe it's not your time and maybe you just need to work through a couple more things on your own but I just I don't know I feel like as a parent I'm going to always offer that as an option so that when they do get to that point where they really need to do this on their own and make that decision they don't feel like it's a foreign concept I have never once was and and no and nothing to do with my parents. I think my parents did exactly what they thought was best and offered me whatever it is that they had available. I just don't think the conversations were the same back, you know, 30 years ago. But 30 years ago, like I never, I I didn't know kids went to therapy. I didn't know, you know, like that wasn't a thing that I even, that even crossed my mind. I don't think I it know. crossed my parents' mind, to be honest. Right? No, and I think that's, you know, it's interesting you, you, you highlight that that piece around, you know, we were talking earlier about the emotional load. There is so much pressure on us as parents, right, to be everything for our children. But like you said, you know, we want to normalize therapy. We want to normalize asking for help. We want to have increased visibility around that. Right. So I'm always encouraged, Adrian, when I meet, you know, parents like yourself who are saying, like, I recognize my role in parenting. And yeah, let me normalize this for my kids right? Because any of the work that we do on ourselves, you know, around self-awareness, emotional intelligence, being able to articulate our needs and and getting clear on our purpose, it's going to show up in the way you parent. And it's going to show up in your personal and your professional relationships, right? And so that's why I think if we focus on the emotional intelligence side of the work, I think for some people, it's almost easier for me to sit down and talk to you about goals and where you want to go in uh, in your personal development and your wellness. Um, so I think it gives a unique spin on things, right? Well, yeah, because you're not going from a a to m. You're you're only going, you know, like a couple couple steps in rather than doing all of the work from scratch. Totally, and that's not to say like I know that a lot of people kind of probably are rolling their eyes or whatever the case oh, may sure. be, but it's not about not building resilient kids. So I want to be very, very clear about that. Resilience is built in many different ways. And I do think that kids benefit from that. And I think I already think that they are more resilient than we give them credit for by nature. What I'm saying is I don't want my kid to retreat into himself so much that he doesn't have that emotional intelligence, that he doesn't have that, you know, what if something really bad happens and I'm not there and he thinks that he has no way out of it. Yeah, feeling alone with it, right? Which is so interesting. I feel like what you're saying there is like, I don't want my child to have the experience that I might have had. Right. Whether that was feeling alone with my emotions or needing to forge through or push through on my own. Yeah. I don't think we're that far off in age, Adriana, but you know, but you're right. We were parented in a very, in a very different way, right. Than what is actually being asked of us in this day and age as parents. Right. But I think the more curious we can get around that, the better we, we show up and we support our families. 
I think so. I think we were parented uh, differently, but there is no, um, there's no way around it. Um, I, I saw this um, thing on Instagram, like as, well, as you can imagine, we spend a lot of time on social media for marketing purposes, for just, we think we're taking a break, but as, I don't know, I run a business, so I'm never taking a break. I'm always looking at stuff. But this is research. I, yeah, but I always end up finding really interesting things. And one of it was, um, it was a commentary on you can't raise your children like your parents raised you because that world no longer exists. And it is so true. So even if like, I think I think my parents did a really great job in a number of ways, you know, and I think that I am a resilient person because of it. But it's not the same anymore. The pressures that you were talking about. Um, my child is three and he can navigate through Netflix through YouTube, through, um, sure he I mean, through, he does matching games. He'll, he does things that, I mean, I'd never even touched a tablet until I was like 19. So, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just giving you the example of For sure. they, they grow up with the internet. They grow up with people always having eyes on them. They grow up with strangers having eyes on them, which I think is very different than your family having eyes on you. Um, they grow up in a world where you have to show up constantly constantly Absolutely. and Absolutely. and the idea of wanting to belong co comes up so much earlier in this like negative way right because Absolutely. of yeah because of everything whereas before it was like i just want to belong to my friend group that lives two doors down from me now it's like oh my god look at the, these 10 year olds solving i don't know what kind of you know puzzles and look at these 10 year olds that have a mansion and whatever else like it's it's insane to me that how different our childhoods um absolutely are, compare them right so i would echo that too right and you know just to go back to the idea that you mentioned around resilience right like i think it's a myth we often say you know children are born resilient no i would assert differently and i i firmly believe we develop resiliency, right? Yeah. As we go through those challenging experiences. And like I said, you know, as an adult, is it, is it, is it fair for us to say that we want to deepen your ability to be resilient? Yes. And that is a tool for, uh, you know, avoiding burnout, just to circle back to that, you know? Yeah. And I would argue that you going to therapy actually helps you build resilience faster because they give you the tools to be able to withstand the things that you would normally be stuck in. So Absolutely. if you had told me this when I was 19, it would be a total, it would be so such a scary thought. But now, right, many, many years later, um, yeah. I would say, but if somebody can give me the key out of getting this, this problem, why would I not accept the key? And then tuck that horrible part of the issue away and say, you know what, I got through this too. So I could yeah, probably get absolutely. through another thing, right? So it's, I think it depends on how you look at it, right? I think it does, right? And part, you know, a lot of the work that I do with individuals is cognitive behavioral therapy, right? And even on, you know, a free 20 minute consultation, you're likely to hear out of my mouth, the reason why I like working with a cognitive behavioral framework is because my job is to do myself out of a job because I want you to develop the tools, the confidence and the strategies that you can navigate complexities on your own. So if I'm doing a good job, you aren't going to need me. 
in the future. And so I think that that message really goes against, you know, that traditional therapy, you know, I'm going to be in therapy forever. Um, I'm always going to need a therapist. No, you're not always going to need a therapist. But could you benefit from some some support right now? Yeah, you probably could. Yeah, no, for sure. And and I fully believe that. And because everybody's at a different stage, I don't think therapists are going to run out of a job anytime soon. But they might go through their clients faster if they're good therapists, right? So, but I, I also though, you might be fine for now, but I, in my understanding of how this all works, I think it's always going to be a work in progress, right? Even if you have periods of time where you're fine. Um, and you don't always have to go to therapy when you're not fine. It just, it's almost like you're building more of a, you're building a rapport. You're also not unloading all of this on maybe your partner or anybody else. You're getting a third, like very neutral perspective of things. And I think that's very valuable. It's the same in business. It's like when I tell, when I talk to yes. clients, it's one way. When I talk to my family, it's completely different. They don't understand half of the things that I'm saying. When I talk to my partner, it's kind of like, uh, maybe they understand. It's the same thing. If you find somebody that is that deals with that kind of thing right so maybe like somebody else in business they understand me way better and they, sure they have do. a different perspective and they're kind of like you're being silly you're like totally overlooking this and you're like aha moment you know like how yeah. have i been so in my head about it yeah i think you're right the difference is like in our personal relationships right you might get support you might even get you know um advice right from a friend on how you might you know best approach maybe this challenge that you're currently navigating and therapy is, it's quite the opposite, right? And for some people, it's the first or only opportunity that they might have to be in a relationship where it is a judgment-free zone, right? And I am not in the business of giving advice. That is the furthest from what I would do, right? And so, yeah. you know, even just being able to develop that ability to um, like bolster your self-trust, right? And knowing you're gonna make the best decision that you're gonna make, right? I often right. compare myself to a GPS. You're the driver, you're always in the seat. You're always you know, navigating where we're gonna go. But if you want the fastest route, if you want you know, to save on gas, if you want the scenic route, let me know, right? Because yeah. that's something that I can support you with. But I think you're right. We don't often have that, that sacred space to just talk openly without fear of judgment. Um, it just doesn't exist in some of the relationships. Yeah, and and it's it's unfortunately probably one of the first things that gets overlooked when you talk about self care. Everybody when they talk about self care, they picture bubble baths and spa trips. But I'm like, no, no, it is, it is, it is, <laughs> no, no, right? Yeah. Um. So we're just gonna do a quick intro here for anybody that's just tuning in. Um. We you are listening to Negotiating Happiness, and we are live on the United Public Radio Network and UFO Paranormal Radio Network at one hundred five point three and one hundred seven point seven FM in New Orleans, and we are also on Roku TV. Check out some of our shows on there. Um. I am here with uh, Elaine Dickens. She's a registered psychotherapist and she's telling us all about the emotional load and burnout and um, some of the scenarios that she's encountered in her practice um, with her specialty of men's mental health and entrepreneurs and all of that good stuff. 
Um, so if just tuning in, um, welcome, we are live and drop us any questions that you might have in the comments. I see here there was a comment from Gerard James, Wiz is listening. Hello. <laughs> um, yeah, so Elaine, I think we were just about to go into a bit of how to balance, how to show self-compassion. Yeah. You're starting to talk about self-care. So tell us a bit Absolutely. about that. Absolutely. Right. So if you were to ask me, you know, what's a practical tool that, you know, we could use to combat the potential for burnout, my yeah. default is always going to be this piece around self-compassion, right? I think it's such an incredibly important skill for us to have the same empathy that we would offer a friend or a family member, but to have that for ourselves. And, you know, I speak from a personal uh, experience that this is, this isn't a skill set that I had early on, right? And it really, it's a game changer, I feel like self compassion, right? So really, by definition, it's just this idea of the practice of turning your compassion inwards, right? And giving that empathy that we give to others, learning how to give that to yourself. Yeah. And, and how would you how would you tell somebody to start? Yeah, I think, you know, you kind of touched on it, right? There's there's components within self-compassion. And I think it starts with noticing, right? And developing that self-awareness, right? Noticing, you know, am I being kind to myself when I have that thought? Or am I judging myself, right? Um, even it can be, you know, small things like uh, just being curious, right? Here's this thought I'm having, like, I'm not feeling good enough, right? And really just thinking about what's the what's the emotion that's connected to a thought like that, mm -hmm. right? Because our thoughts, our feelings, and our emotions are all tied. Um, you know, so maybe the thought is, you know, I don't feel like I'm enough, right? Or maybe the feeling is feeling kind of inadequate, right? Yeah. So getting really curious with our emotions, I do think it's sort of a way to develop some of that self-awareness and even just highlight, you know, how could I be compassionate with myself or what would I perhaps say to a friend who was experiencing this challenge that I'm faced with right now? I think asking right. that question can often be powerful. Right. And I would, I would say that from my readings or my understanding that it, goes beyond thoughts so it's very interesting to me and sometimes I want to have the time to delve more into it but whatever your emotions and thoughts they also become your physical reality so I have, I have an example I have an example of this I, I went through a period of time in my life where every time I would get upset I would get the worst stomach ache that I would get ever and I and that those yeah. two don't really make sense if you think about it but it does. It does. After reading a bit more and about it's your body reacting to all of these negative thoughts that you're putting yeah. in because your brain controls everything and Absolutely. your brain sends signals to your body, your brain sends, and that can affect how you deal with other people, how you deal with yourself, your future successes. I am very aware of that. So as an entrepreneur, if you keep, you know, kicking yourself while you're down, and not showing self-compassion, all you're doing is setting yourself up for more failure. And I'm not saying be oblivious or be, you know, completely out of touch with reality, but 
have the coping skills or, or learn coping mechanisms for you to see um, the positive in it. So we had an episode where we talked about embracing failure, where mm. we went through very specific stages of how to take failure and turn it into like a marketing exercise where you can learn from it, where you can say, I know everything that went wrong. So I'm going to avoid all of that. So my success rates will increase for my next project that is of similar, you know, nature. So absolutely. I think you can apply that to a lot of things. If you understand that you're not always going to win, you have a better understanding of, okay, fine. Back to the drawing board. What did we learn? How can we use yeah. it to propel ourselves forward? Not, man, I'm going to have this pity party for the next couple of months. And it would completely deter me from, you know, pushing forward any future project. Well, yeah, or derail your progress, right? I think that's a really great example. Um, and I thank you for sharing that insight into your own experience too, Adrian. You know, when I think about self-compassion, right? How can we apply self-compassion to a challenging situation just as what you've described there? You know, I think a part of it is being able to take a step back from that initial emotional reaction, right? And to be able to say, you know, what went well as a result of that setback? Because there is something, right? Yeah. There's something you learn, there's some sort of wisdom, there's some sort of insight that you have. I wanna highlight what that is. And I actually want you to learn to do that first, right? Yeah. To say, you know, I'm really happy or I'm really pleased with the way that I articulated my concerns to my business partner, for example, right? Then to take a step back and to say, okay, you know, what are one or two things that I might like to do differently? If I could hit rewind, if I could have that do over, right? And so I love that, that sort of that practice of just identifying something that went well before you let your mind go to what I should have done instead. Yeah, I just think that we're always told to, you know, you're always competing for something. And that is true. You're always competing for something, but not always with other people. You're competing with yourself. And we're always taught to, you have to win, you have to get anything positive. But we start looking at failure as something inherently wrong. And I don't think that's the case, especially as an entrepreneur. I mean, look at all these successful billionaires. They'll tell you that's not their first business. <laughs> There's no yeah, way. No, There's absolutely. no way. There's stumbling that happens along the way. And I, you know, I sit in a, in a really specific spot, you know, not that I'm just a cheerleader for entrepreneurs, but I'm going to go, you know, resistance, setbacks, like those are growth. Those are opportunities for self-reflection. That's, I want you to use and apply that growth mindset here, right? Yeah. Because- that resistance and those setbacks, that's evidence of risk taking, right? And how much risk is associated with success in business, Adrian? Uh, constantly, daily. Right? There's not Absolutely. Yeah. But I would also argue, it's funny, I have this conversation a lot too, where people are like, oh, well, it's risky. So I don't want to, you know, start my own business. And I said, I don't think people realize how risky it is to be an employee as well. I mean, it could be me employing somebody and tomorrow my doors could be closed. So how safe is your job really? So I think that's part of the reason why I started this show too, to kind of show people that, yeah, well, there's a lot of risk. There's a lot of reward as well. So um, you having worked with entrepreneurs, I'm sure you can see that and you being one yourself can 
probably attest to some real life examples as well. So absolutely, tell, we're we're getting here. We have about fifteen minutes left, so I kind of want to dive into you know your business and what you found to be helpful. Like if you had to start all over again as a professional services provider that obviously has a, you know, regulatory body to keep in mind and you've got lots of education behind you. Um, how would you start it again? Oh goodness. Really good question. How would I start it again? I, you know, not a planned response at all. I think I might've started with more compassion for myself if I'm honest. Right. (laughs) So like, it's, it's, it's so interesting to, you know, just walk that journey and to navigate, like I can coach people on compassion and empathy and and soft skills and all of that. But I really think about the compassion that was necessary um, to forge your own way, because I come from a non for profit uh, background, right? So me having to sell myself and attach a price point to the support that I so freely give clients and have given over the last two decades, it was it was challenging, right to find that that sweet spot and that comfort and, and capability. Um, yeah, I wish uh, I wish I found a business coach sooner. Absolutely. I think that I made things harder for myself as a result of just I mean, how many entrepreneurs won't say that I have too many ideas? That's often the case, right? But I think I could have really benefited from an empathetic business coach who was able to say like, you know, one step at a time is just fine, right? And these small pieces are all going to add up to success. You don't have to do everything from the gate. Yeah. And this is so funny because it, you'll see that the stories are very similar. You know, I started the same way where I had a hard time putting value to my, um, not that I, I knew that there was value, but putting a monetary value on it was hard. And I ended up working through a lot of projects that were very hard and time consuming. And there wasn't a lot of, you know, compensation to be, to be, um, joy to have you know to enjoy after because I just didn't know how to represent myself or maybe I did and I just didn't think that that was too much because I think we the moment you become an entrepreneur you have to unlearn everything you've learned through school school does not teach you to be an entrepreneur unless you go to business school right But you're think about grades you know kindergarten to grade 12 or whatever you want to call it they teach you how to be a good employee, show yeah. up on time, follow be instructions, be accountable, you know, learn the knowledge, be able to test on it. They don't teach you how to think outside the box. They don't teach you how to differentiate yourself from There are yeah. so many therapists out there, right? No one's teaching you, including your regulatory body. I'm I'm part of a regulatory body for my that's right um, licensing for to being a pillar. Nobody teaches you no. how can you differentiate yourself to be a better whatever you know. And actually, they discourage you saying that you have specialties, right? Yeah, Unless absolutely. you're you can say you're practicing in a certain area of law, they discourage you from saying I am really good at this or having not specialties but being an expert. They yeah. shy away from that everywhere. So how do you you know, 
get yourself out of that mindset. There's so much growing to do, even for people who have that entrepreneurial gene. And yeah. it's very interesting to hear similar stories. And I think that's a Absolutely. commentary on our school educational system. I'm sure it's there similar is. in the States as well. You know, um, anybody that's listening. I imagine it remains, is. I imagine it's similar. If not, drop me a comment. <laughs> but there's no otherwise. Yeah. No, and that's why I think like the self-compassion piece is so important, right? Because imagine if I were to judge myself on my, you know, on my um, ability to, to, to fill my schedule, right? As a therapist, yeah. gosh, I know a lot about people, personality and mental health, but you're right. I didn't graduate with a business and marketing degree and it's okay if, you know, I stumble with some of that. So I think, you know, just harnessing that growth mindset is so, so important right and just looking at you know any of these challenges that you know you're sort of struggling with or, or hitting the wall with yeah. they're opportunities for growth and learning they're not a way of you know judging our self-esteem or developing our confidence that's right yeah so tell us a bit about what kind of makes this whole entrepreneurial journey worth it for you uh, I think what's worth it. Yeah, I think what's worth it is just the opportunity to connect with like minded individuals and to really be witness to growth and professional development. Like I've always sort of subscribed to this idea of, you know, intentionality and it's it's a game changer. Um, but, it, you know, what really helps me through the days that are challenging is just realizing that, you know, one, one small shift for a client can be monumental in their lives. Um, so being witness to that, having clients, you know, unpack things that they have carried and weathered on their own. Um, I just have yeah. so much gratitude and respect for, for that work that, that people are strive to do. Yeah, and I was just going to share here, um, for anybody that's listening, I've just popped on to liveinspiredcounseling.com, which is Elaine's website, and this is her blog. So if anybody's interested in learning more about um, these kinds of topics, um, she covers quite a few here. Elaine, what would you... Yeah, there's everything from parenting to burnout, self-compassion uh a lot of little gems in there uh subscribers to my email will get a, access to the blog on tuesdays when they drop thanks for sharing that yeah no no problem and i see here there's a there's some talk, just quick overview of anxiety and adhd and um yeah emotional intelligence parenting so check out to livedinspiredcounseling.com um if you wanted to learn a little bit more and uh yeah what what about what about personally Elaine? like you as a i don't know um as a wife, human partner m mother individual <laughs> daughter yeah. uh, sibling you know what what kind of makes you what, what where's your happy like how do you find your balance yeah you know what it's such a big piece of being an entrepreneur and i've definitely been reminded of that in the last season uh, what lights me up? You know what? It's movement. It's fitness. I, you know, I recognize I just am better balanced when I'm outside, you know, 10 minutes out of the day, whether that's walking the dog, hopping on a bike, hiking. Um, that daily movement is sort of like critical. Uh, most people would be surprised to know 
huge introvert. You have to really <laughs> will me to get me out of the house. I probably have my, you know, my nose stuck in a book given, uh, given that chance for free time. But yeah, you know what, life doesn't stop. I'm a I'm a mom of two kids, you know, I, I navigated divorce many years ago. So, you know, I feel like I, I bring and, and openly, you know, share some of that that experience and some of my work. Um, but yeah, I love to cook. I love to, uh, to get outside and be with the dog. And you know what, there's a standing appointment with my therapist, because I practice what I preach, right? It's, uh, it's just like going to the gym. It's important. Yeah, it's important. Would you have any um, favorite hiking spots? Oh, well, I happen to be in, uh, like, sort of an hour northeast of Toronto in this beautiful community called Uxbridge, mm -hmm. uh, which uh, sidebar is the trail capital of Canada. Ooh. So there are a number of trails that I can hop onto, um, but we've got Durham Forest. If people are interested in, you know, mountain biking and things like that, uh, Uxbridge has a lot of those uh, of those opportunities. This is going to sound ridiculous, but I I'm just not familiar. I could tell you where a lot of countries are in the world, but are is that on the Bruce Trail? Does it hit? Do you guys hit the Bruce? Trail? Uh, no, it would be the Trans Canada Trail. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's very cool. Um, I do like hiking. I just uh, I need new shoes. <laughs> My ankles aren't what they used to be. <laughs> you need the right gear to make things to make things work for you. Totally, totally. Do your kids enjoy the outdoors? They do, right? So I've got one that mountain bikes and one that swims, and gosh, they absolutely keep me busy. It's very humbling that's, that's to have uh, to have teenagers, right? They're they run tech support in the background and uh, they help with the marketing, right? They might even clean the office. So it's a, it's a, a labor of love. It's a family business. You know what though? That's so important because where else are they going to get experience doing that kind of stuff? Right? So I, Absolutely. why not? Why not? Like my first job was unusual. I was in an office and I was doing just admin work, but most kids first jobs are, you know, McDonald's or Tim Hortons or, yeah. you know, the grocery store. And like my brother's first job was the grocery store and now he's an engineer. But again, you don't get that kind of experience that way. So good for them. Good for Absolutely. them for participating for sure. Um, I'm so glad that you came on. I feel like we could talk about these topics forever. I know. We could have a whole show on any and all of them, couldn't we? Yes. I think we should do one on neurodiversity for sure because... Yeah. Or that maybe definitely. focus focus on the adults that are just finding out that they're neurodiverse. I feel like that's a huge topic right now. <laughs> Absolutely. And can I tell you how many neurodiverse entrepreneurs I have, I see in my yes. private practice? Like my stats would be off the charts. So there are a ton of uh, individuals yes. who are navigating both of those things in the, yeah. in the personal professional world. Absolutely. Can I share my non-qualified opinion? And you can tell me that I'm wrong. It's fine. But yeah, I, camera's on. I was, <laughs> I was looking at this and somebody explained it in this way and I thought it was beautiful. It's like, what's it like to have like ADHD or one of the other? It's like, it's like having a really new software version in a really old computer. 
So it's like bouncing off the walls in there, but the computer can only go so, f- so fast, right? And I yeah. said, that's why I tend to meet all of these entrepreneurs that have ADHD because the ideas keep flowing. You're always thinking about something. You're always, you have terrible sleep because you're still- Can't turn it about, off. You just can't turn it off, right? And I was like, I feel like that's part of that entrepreneurial gene where you just kind of, always come up with new things right and I thought that was so good it's like okay so how do I get an upgrade to to the computer then (laughs) yeah I need new new software and new equipment I think you're right but are there a lot of entrepreneurs that that think in that really creative way absolutely and can also be like a a specific skill set like a strength like your your cape your superhero cape of sorts right is just your ability to you know, laser focus on things that truly light you up. So yeah, I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, it is a um, a, a superhero quality that you may yes. possess. Yes, if you had 50,000 hobbies that you wanted to pick up when you were a teenager, you probably have it. So let's talk. <laughs> right. right. But I think it's always, you know, around like working with what you have, right. And so being a strength wing therapist, I think that that does help, right? Like, let's not look at things as a deficit. Let's, you know, not look no. at the traditional way of doing things. Let's look at, you know, how do we make things better and feeling great for, for everyone. But that's exactly why I liked the way that it was described, right? You have really, really fast, brand new software in an old computer. To me, that's like, yeah my mind is going faster than I can handle. I do think that that's a superpower. It's just we have to find a way to make the output make sense. Do you know what I mean? So in here, it makes perfect sense. So no, I definitely I definitely don't think, I mean, is it challenging sometimes? Yes, because other people don't understand you the same way. But I do think it's a superpower. I think I can come up with things, uh, you know, I'm, I'm good under pressure. Do I always want to be under pressure? No. Does my yeah. lack of, um, I forget what it's called, you know, the um, like executive function, how you just, mm-hmm. you just are a natural procrastinator and you can't even enjoy your the time that you're procrastinating because you're freaking out that you can't actually yeah. start it. Um, that really is crippling, but it's getting better. You find coping mechanisms. That's exactly why you need to go talk to people that can help you because, um, it does get better. (laughs) Absolutely. It can, it can. Yeah, it does. So thank you so much, Elaine, for coming on and taking the time to, um, take us through your journey, take us through, um, you know, the trends that you're seeing currently, and, uh, we'd love to have you back. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity. And I hope you don't mind. I selfishly hope my clients might not be listening to the show. And I can maybe use that really beautiful analogy around uh, the operating system and the computer. So thanks for that, Adriana. It wasn't it wasn't mine. I'm also sharing it. And it's it was from somebody out there in the internet that I can never remember names of. So uh, thank you to whoever came up with that, because it really it mm-hmm. made me feel a bit empo- empowered. So Yeah, no, totally. I think other people need to hear it. So for sure. So everybody check out Elaine at Live Inspired um, Therapy. What is it? Live Inspired. Did I get that right? Hold on. Liveinspiredcounseling.com. Counseling. Thank you. Thank you. See, I'm already like on another track here on my mind. Yeah. So liveinspiredcounseling.com. You can follow her on Instagram at at live inspired therapist um, and also Elaine, you have a podcast coming up, right? 
Yeah, so I'm just in the midst of um, recording. I will be launching a podcast in uh, the beginning of March. It's called Breaking the Mold, and it's embracing men's emotional strength. Amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much. And, oh, hello, Helen. Helen also said, says thank you very much. Um, she's also an entrepreneur. So thank you for listening, Helen. Um, yeah. So uh, we hope to uh, get you back on the show very soon. Thank we you will. Every, thank you for everybody that's been listening. And uh, thank you to the platform, the United Public Radio Network and UFO Paranormal um, Radio Network as well. And everybody in the chat room. Have a wonderful week, everybody. We will see you next week.